This podcast was created on the lands of the Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge their continued custodianship of these lands and waters. We recognise that sovereignty was never ceded and that we are the beneficiaries of stolen land and dispossession, which began over 230 years ago and continues today. You're listening to Make It Shequal, the podcast empowering advertising to get equal. This is our fifth and final episode in the Make It Shequal podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking to Dalton Henshaw. Dalton's career has spanned professional sports, fashion, media, and he is now the founder and CEO of Melbourne-based creative and strategic agency, Bullfrog Media. He also happens to be a friend of mine, so very excited to speak with Dalton. But before we chat to him, I'm joined by Lauren Zappa, the manager of the Shequal program at Women's Health. Victoria. Lauren, welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us again. Thanks for having me on again. So in our last episode, Phoebe and Olivia mentioned something that hadn't come up before and I'd love to sort of get your take on this idea. So they brought up motherhood and the challenges for mums in the ad industry as sort of a specific example of the gender inequality that still exists in the industry at large. Can you talk a little bit about why you think that's the case and, you know, what are some of the things we can do to really redress that? kind of disruptor for a lot of women? Through the conversations and the research that we've been having with women across the advertising industry, um, we're hearing that when they are going off to have children, often, um, you know, between that age of 35 and 45, where a lot lot of people are choosing to have children, uh, when they're wanting to come back um, to work after taking some parental leave, are finding... um, that they're not necessarily welcome back in the way that they would like back into the industry uh, and they find it really difficult to um, stay at the level that they're at or progress in their career from that point in time. And and actually what we're seeing is then a lot of women choosing to leave this industry because Mm -hmm. they're not feeling engaged or happy or, or like they get to do the kind of work that really lights them up. Uh, What we really want to see, though, in supporting these women is um, much more family-friendly policies that support the whole family, not just women, um, but anyone who's a parent. Uh, Things like flexible work, um, options for part-time work, parental leave policies uh, that are available for everyone and encourage that men also uh, have the option of taking parental leave. Um, What we want is we want Uh, the whole family to feel like that they are encouraged to share caring responsibilities and that their workplace supports them to do this. Mm. Uh, One of the things that's really critical though is that uh, the leaders of ads and brands and anyone in this sort of ad industry are supporting um, this this notion of parenthood and that they are setting up policies and practices and supporting um, women to progress into roles of leadership, supporting them to have a family while they do so. So mm. yeah, it's really important that leaders are taking, um, are taking a role in driving change here. I just hadn't even thought about that as an element of this whole equality in the industry equation, that there would be amazing women in the industry who are actually leaving the industry and then, you know, we, ha- we have sort of even less participants in this this challenge and and, uh, and movement towards equality. So I think it's wonderful that it's been brought up as a topic. Is it something that you guys at Sheik will see often that there is, you know, motherhood starts to present a really big barrier for a lot of women? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think evidenced by the fact that this is an issue in the sector is that there is an initiative, an initiative called Mums in Ads. Um, wow. And, you know, um, this initiative is all about really encouraging women to be able to remain in the industry. And, and also the aunties are also really doing a lot of work in this space. They have a podcast called Mums on Call, which is about, um, you know, providing really good role models for younger women in the mm. ad industry to look to um, so that they don't feel like that becoming a it's becoming a mum or their career because um, actually that's sometimes what um, women are thinking in the early part of their career. If I want to progress into these more senior positions, I can't have children uh, or if I want to have children, I have to be satisfied with, you know, a job that then maybe they consider is not um, where they want to be or mediocre to their kind of skill level. Mm. It is so sad to think how many women must be out there thinking that they're mutually exclusive and they have to choose one or the other and that there isn't a pathway for them to do both. But I think what's amazing is we are starting to see a lot of examples of businesses that are trying to really redress that inequality and make it easier for women to not have to feel pigeonholed into one or the other and I think someone who has done an incredible job with that is someone we're lucky enough to actually have here today with us as our third musketeer in this conversation so let's welcome Dalton Henshaw to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank nice you so here. much for joining us. I'm excited. <laughs> Especially nice to see excited. your familiar face. Very <laughs> nice to be here. Yes, guys, we are very, very long-time friends, so it's lovely to have you on the you show. You know all my bad stories and good ones too. So I do. Good. This will be fun. <laughs> I hope so. But a serious conversation nonetheless. <laughs> well, I mean, to begin, we have to commend you for everything that you're doing at Thank Bullfrog you. and as a friend but also as an industry participant. Mm. It's been wonderful to see what you guys have been doing. So for everyone listening, Bullfrog, is leading the way in its approach to gender equality in the workplace, including, I mean, Dalton, you have an amazing leading parental leave policy for all your employees. Mm -hmm. You've also recently announced a pro bono residency program for female and non-binary people, which aims to support their startups mm -hmm. to help them overcome some of the barriers that are faced in uh, progressing their businesses. And I was reading that the program offers $25,000 worth of brand services delivered by Bullfrog, among much more. Could you please tell us why this is such an important area for you? I know it's something you're really passionate about mm. uh, and something that's important for the work of Bullfrog. Well, firstly, I must reiterate, I hold an enormous privilege and stereotype sitting here talking about equality in industry that has been quite unequal for some time. So I thank Sheikul, your time, Sarah, as well, as much as been a part of this conversation because it's, it's as a founder, um, especially of a creative agency, as you've mentioned, I also have a responsibility to put initiatives in place, whether it's policies or an initiative like the Fair Advantage Residency Program. That one deeply allows me to connect personal with professional. And for me, it's all about life. And I'm very lucky to be surrounded. And my wonderful wife is an incredible female business leader, a business that she co-founded with her best friend called Kick. And for me, watching that journey over the past seven to eight years has come with so many ups and downs but personally um, without going into the tropes of the stories I've also seen her come against adversity and sometimes being shut out of the room now there's a lot of reasons why that is the case and there's a lot of them that are not fair mm. and as someone that fits the privilege that a lot of this industry advertising has applauded praised and largely a lot of industries have made successful I have an opportunity to be an ally, as you've mentioned, but also I have an opportunity to put things in place as a business owner to try buck the status quo. 
fair advantage was built out of not only that blurring of personal and professional lived experiences, but it was also out of a want to change a really glaring statistic in Australia, which is largely 2.3% of all businesses in Australia that receive capital investment or funding. Only 2.3 are founded by women. And that, yeah, when you let that sink in for two seconds and and globally it's even less, Mm. it's at 0.7% globally, that's scary. And for me personally, knowing those two worlds colliding, I have a responsibility as a, a storyteller for so many incredible brands across Australia and the world that fundamentally, if we can add value to helping people expand their business from a startup into a fully fledged business that we get to do with so many, what a privilege to buck against such a glaring statistic. I mean, it's just quite shocking and confronting to hear statistics Mm. like that. Like, I think we all understand that there is some inequality remaining, but the scale and extent to which it Mm. still exists is is quite shocking, which is a good wake-up call for everyone, I think. But one of the things I like so much, we spoke a little bit offline before we started recording about the choice of language in the way that we do things. And Mm. my next question for you is about your commitment to gender equality, but I love that you've called it a responsibility because I think that really calls out the fact that there is a need to redress the inequalities that have existed, but Mm. that it's not just committing yourself, it's seeing it and taking it on as a responsibility. And you seem to have done that so passionately. So how does your commitment or responsibility to gender equality guide, not just obviously these initiatives that sit sort of parallel to your actual work, but how does it guide the creative content itself that you and your team are delivering? For us, creativity is everything we do. We believe it's a superpower that businesses can unlock to drive growth. And every part of the process, we believe creativity is woven through. And it's not just what, time and time again, the output that we're driven on. How we pick crew, cast, hire, um, diversity policies in place as a business, quotas that we want to hit to and aim for and strive for. All of those things need to be considered in conjunction of how we deliver creativity for our partners, for ourselves, as a business that puts it on a pedestal. And I think there is no one stone that is left unturned in context of acknowledging sometimes a preference that is out in the world in context of how brands and people show up. But I also think if you're not aware of it and consistently checking yourself against certain measures and quotas that we have as a business, but also being self-aware of things that we need to try change, The great thing is, as a business and our incredible partners, they're highly receptive of it as well. So when we come to talking about change, it is not something that is necessarily not front of mind for a lot of brands, and that's really Mm. pleasing to see these days. Mm. But also one of the biggest things, and I say this as we go through the process, is does it feel like a tick box or does it feel genuine? And time and time again, uh, not so much from my lived experience, you hear as a make sure we're diverse in our ad, that comment (laughs) is bullshit. Make sure we're representative of all Australians when we go to market with how we want to talk as a brand. I mean, on the flip side, that the question that also comes to mind is that there might be brands or clients that you encounter that not only are not looking for the tick box, but that might push back a little bit against your creative vision of showing equal and diverse representation purely because as we've spoken about on the show, you know, change is a spectrum. Hmm. Anything new is uncomfortable and unfamiliar. 
How do you cope with that scenario when you do get pushback against what you've already set up for your organisation? I think it really comes back to what we do as a business and how we front up and how we work with partners day in, day out. Everything that we do is underpinned by human truth. Strategically, and, and we put this as very simply human truth, if we start the conversation, well, these are the facts, we have an opportunity to creatively respond to the facts or the truths. And I think by putting that on the table and always, you know, for our values and one of our proudest ones is uncommon transparency. If we're transparent around the risks, the opportunities and all the things up front that are underpinned by this human truth, it is up to the partnership and the team that we work with and the people that we work with day in, day out to make a decision on what's best for the business. Mm -hmm. But part of our responsibility is to make sure those truths are represented fairly and equally. And that can be an audience that we need to speak to and a minority group. It could be gender led. It could be a lot of things. But because I feel exceptionally grateful that this Fair Advantage Residency Program, even to that point, was built by my team. It wasn't just me. It was put forward by one of our senior creatives in context of it feels natural. It feels right. It feels we're already such a self-aware business, mm. but we still have a long way to go. So if we're at one end of the scale, it does take time for change to happen. And so how do we move people along that needle? Well, time and time again, a lot of businesses, people, all of us want to look to like, what are the facts? Mm. And what are we not answering? But sometimes the facts don't exist. We're working on an idea right now that is meeting a market that's never been created for First Nations people. You can't, there's no statistics because it doesn't exist. That's really tough to do. It's tough to substantiate. Mm. Part, it's unraveling what I've just said. But we don't meet the market or we don't, and market is, sorry, an ad term, but we don't meet <laughs> these minority groups yeah. or we don't think about minorities. Gender aside, we'll never move the needle. I think it, it sounds like you have created not just a vision and sort of value system for your business, but also a workplace culture where everyone feels supported to participate yeah. in progressive portrayals and put forward ideas to you and it not mm. always just be top down that, you know, big changes sort of come to fruition. And Lauren, I know you sort of have spoken a lot about the link between workplace culture generally and then advertising, you know, in the industry specifically. Yeah, it's so great to hear Dalton talk about all the work that he's doing at Bullfrog and the kind of the culture that you're building there mm. uh, because we know that there's an inexplicable link between that kind of workplace culture in the organisations that are kind of cre commissioning, creating, marketing ads mm. um, and the ads that we see. Mm. Um, there's a, absolutely a link. Uh, in, in 2021, Sheikul did this research project called the Sheikul Survey and we had up almost 600 responses from professionals across the ad industry. And um, one of the big themes that came up was that sexist workplace cultures are still really pervasive across the ad industry. Um, we heard so many stories of everyday examples of sexism, harassment, discrimination, um, that survey, we really thought that it would take people about, I don't know, 10 minutes to, to write their responses to it. But actually people were taking more than 20 minutes to write their responses because they had so much to say. They We asked and they were ready to deliver um, and talk about the experiences that they had. And one thing that was really interesting was that women were more likely to be able to draw this link between uh, workplace cultures and ads that were their kind of content and the ads and the kind of communications that were being mm. output by the agency and men were not as convinced that there was a link between that so it's good to hear 
allies like Dalton um, who are already drawing that link, which is great. And personally, I think it's, um, you know, it makes sense, doesn't it, that workplace cultures that are filled with disrespect, are filled with inequality, are absolutely going to produce ads that have sexism and gender inequality uh, portrayed in them. Whereas workplace cultures like the one at Bullfrog um, that are progressive, inclusive and respectful are absolutely going to produce more respectful, inclusive and diverse advertising. Yeah, and I think it's also, it highlights, like having you on the show, Dalton, is so wonderful because I think it reminds that so often, I mean, even Sheikul being named Sheikul, it we can easily misunderstand gender inequality as a women's problem like so much of their energy focuses on what women can do to you know better promote themselves or to redress inequalities or better place themselves in line for casting oppositions but without male allyship at all levels of the industry like it's not going to happen that we both genders all genders need to be involved in the question so coming back to men being allies in this space I know that you not only have this in place at Bullfrog in your workplace, but I mean, in your personal life, it's been a decade of me and other friends watching you be an incredible ally to Laura and you both having like separate businesses, but really supporting each other. Mm. And I mean, even your recent marriage taking Laura's name, it's, it's something that is in certain circles, you assume men are going to be allies, but I know there was a lot of pushback for you and controversy around that form of allyship or that form of sort of male behaviour around genders. So for you, how do you see your role as a male ally and what do you think that, you know, other men could be doing in the industry? <laughs> big question. It is, it's, <laughs> it's a really big question, but I think the number one thing, and I, I come back to the personal point that you just spoke about is taking my wife's last name, which is, you know, that caused a bit of pain for my family in general. And I've spoken pretty openly about that. But you need to take time to listen. You need to take time to hear. So the point of allyship is not signing up for the one moment or fronting up to a podcast to have a conversation then go away and do another. It's actually listening and understanding the problem and to the point of what you spoke about before, sexism in workplaces is very different to how I, as a male, will perceive certain acts versus a woman. But if I don't take the time to listen and educate and understand why certain nuances, and they might be phrased as a nuance to me as a male, but is so important to a female colleague. If you're not listening and wanting to understand and educate, you are not doing the job of being an ally mm -hmm. because it is not about fronting up when put on the spot and saying the right things. It's actually listening and educating yourself to understand why these things have happened because it's been a systemic thing for generations. It is a systemic thing that will take time to change. It will. Mm. You know, one of the glaring stats that I've had the privilege to be in the room and hear from, Joe Horgan, the founder of Mecca, gender equality is 100 years away. <laughs> That's freaking ridiculous, let alone the statistic that I shared earlier around why the Fair Advantage Residency Program means something to me. Mm. But if we're not taking time to educate and intently listen to our female counterparts and non-binary non people as well, then we're not doing a service of being a true ally. We're just doing what's convenient for us as males. Mm. And that has been done for many, many, many generations is what is convenient for us. Mm. But the roles in society and the societal norms that have been thrusted upon generations to generations will take time to unfold and that's 
it's you have to acknowledge that mm -hmm. but if we don't take time to listen and create space to do so i think the number one thing to do as an ally is just listen and try understand yeah the make a cheek podcast is brought to you by women's health victoria and proudly funded by the victorian government we would love for you to get involved in our sheekle program an initiative empowering the advertising industry to take action in better shaping how people are represented in the stories they tell and we all consume head to sheekle.com.au that's s-h-e-q-u-a-l.com.au for more information practical resources and training opportunities now back to the episode and I think something that's also come up in this podcast is the fact that, you know, people at all levels of seniority have a chance to speak up and be mm. part of this process of change. But that doesn't detract from the fact that senior leadership does have possibly more impact in the decisions that they make, that they filter from the top down through the organisations that they work in. Yes. And Lauren, you know, I'd love to get your comment on why you think leadership support is such a critical factor because, you know, they the people who are in the decision-making roles, they do hold a lot of control over the direction that progressive portrayal can take or not take. Mm. Le leadership support is critical for any organisational change. So my background is in kind of capacity building and creating change in workplaces and absolutely to move towards gender equality. This has to be something that we see filter through all levels of a business and it has to be led from the top down. So, uh, you know, we really want to see um, more women across all levels of um, an organisation and represented in those leadership roles. Um, but we also want to see allies, you know, those males in those more senior roles be really good allies. Um, we've heard this sort of theme across the podcast of you can't be what you can't see. And um, we often in the creative industry, we're seeing uh, women more likely to be in those account roles or client management yep. roles and men more likely to be in creative director roles and in CEO roles. And how can women in the industry aspire to be in those top creative or, or leadership roles if they don't have role models to aspire to be mm -hmm. like? And that's why people like Phoebe mm -hmm. Sloan from the aunties are just so fantastic is that she's really trying to um, readdress that balance and um, you know, support women to enter into those leadership roles throughout their career. Yeah, it is. It's so important. And I think why it is even more reassuring that there are, you know, males in leadership roles like yourself, Dalton, who are also really championing the change that, that needs to happen. What is your advice for other creatives, other agencies, other brands who want to make more genuine and authentic content, given that, you know, you've been able to create this wonderful workplace culture, but you know, other businesses might be a bit newer to this space. Mm. They might still be facing a little bit of pushback. Like we talked about before, you know, that lack of familiarity means like people, when it's a new world, it's scary and overwhelming. What's your advice to them as to the first steps to take? I think it can be really daunting. You know, when you start to look at implementing things as we have in quotas, sometimes even doing so can take your eye off like, am I hiring the best person for the role that will help everyone else succeed as one mm. team? It's not easy. It really isn't. Uh, but if we're not to the point that I mentioned before on a specific work of talking to an audience or, or at least presenting an opportunity where it's fair advantage or not, we're not really starting either. So if we're not taking the consideration even to how we hire or we're not looking to make those decisions, the, the simple short of it is just start being considerate and start thinking about it more holistically in context of your broader business strategy. It is something, you know, a big part of Bullfrog's success as much as 
this team and the culture is around succession planning and openly and admittedly been there and saying that we want everyone to grow. We want everyone to have annualized development plans. We want everyone to have training and development budgets, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a status quo, go learn from the same place. Everyone learns and learns and educates themselves in different ways. So I think fundamentally you need to look at what do we want to succeed and achieve as a business? And it's not if it fits in, we will do it. Mm -hmm. It's, well, society is moving. You're either moving with it or you're getting left behind. And we've seen that time and time again. Now, a lot of industries, especially the advertising industry, are making big steps and largely it comes from the biggest agencies or the most famous or the most successful to lead the path and the way. You know, to the point of Phoebe and the aunties is one of the biggest movements in the advertising industry in, in context of bringing a community of women and non-binary people together to champion their abilities and to champion growth. I'm very lucky to have two founding members in my team of that exact initiative. And that to me is showing the right steps. But for me as a leader in a leadership position, let alone a founder, I have to hear and educate and support and create space for them to give time up to those things versus it's all my way or the highway. And that has been something that would happen in a lot of businesses, not just this industry. Mm. But you need to be open-minded to making sure that we're being considerate in our broader business strategy. And it sounds very business 101, does it fit? <laughs> but it's not if it fits, it has to fit. Yeah. But I think that's even more of a perfect segue to the next question, which is that it does make business sense. It increasingly makes business sense because 100%. the Australian audience, the Australian market does want more realism and equality represented in what they're being marketed. And, you know, from other recent work of SheCall and leading research and data agency Cantar, which we've we've uh, had on the show actually to, su- to support the discussions we've been having, mm. that research for the, further supported the understanding of how progressive advertising is actually good for business it's not that you have to do the right thing and make it align with a business case it's that it already aligns you know there's there's been so many improvements shown in long-term uh, brand equity when you do take these kind of actions and make these decisions there's more trust among consumers there's even like return on investment been shown many many times so what are some of the business benefits that you've seen by showing more authentic and and real representations of people in your creative content because i think people get scared it will mean a dip in sales or a backward step in in a pure business outcomes but it's not the case one of the biggest things we talk about a lot at bullfrog is we fundamentally don't believe tough comment to say, in work-life balance. <laughs> We've spoken about this many times. Not in context of there's not two worlds that we have to consider, but it's all life. And nine times out of 10, we take work home with us if we've had a good day or a bad day. Mm. We say to our partner, our friend, our colleague at dinner and say, I had a really good day at work or I had a really shitty day at work. So for us, we always approach our whole people strategy, which we have seven steps. It's all life at the end of the day and how do we make it best fit for you? We put things in place to do so. And I think the context of, if we bring it back to creativity, if we're not being diverse in the representation of the business, we're limiting ourselves to the thinking that is you know, absent. And I think I say that based on two things, not just the skills that this person may have been hired for, but for them as a person in life and their lived experiences that come with that, because they might be able to draw and build an idea that no one else can see to your point before because they've actually had an experience that no one else has had. The best thing about people, we're all individually brilliant as we all are individually different. And those different lived experiences, and that's why I always say and bring it back to, it's all life and we all bring our whole selves 
every moment of the day. We all bring experiences that we can share to build knowledge, to help us be more considerate when we communicate to the world for our partners. And I think that is why it's such a big thing that runs through everything that we do is because you are Sarah, I am Dalton, but we all have things that we bring to the table that are not just great, I'm a great graphic designer or I'm a great creative or I'm a good account management person. That's limiting. That's limiting to the work and the creativity that we can build as a business and it's limiting to the business performance as well. And I think for me personally, when you approach it at that lens is that whole self, well, there would be experiences that you could bring to the table, so many others that are in this room as much as yourself that can bring a different lens because we are all individuals at the end of the day that have those lived experiences and lives lived not just in the confines of a working relationship or building, mm. but lives past tense that we can draw inspiration from, courage from, pain from, that we can inject to make sure the work that we do because we are influencing behaviours at the end of the day. Mm. We're influencing purchasing decisions. We're in influencing how people wake up and choose certain things of their day. It's a huge privilege, a massive privilege. Dalton, you're actually just describing like a really um, foundational um, concept that underpins gender equality, which is intersectionality, mm -hmm. um, which is the fact that um, we're not just a man or a woman or a non-binary person. Um, we have all these different parts of our identity. You know, we um, might be from a, a different skin colour, a different culture, a different religion, um, a different sexual identity. We may have a disability yeah. or, or not. Um, we may be a mum, we may be a grandmother, you know, all of those parts of our identity, um, they come together and like imagine them, I guess, like a, like a Venn diagram and the mm. part where they all <laughs> intersect. That's who we are. That's our identity. And um, it's great to hear that, you know, that concept, you're, you're understanding it um, because that's really foundational. We're not mm. just women. We're not just, a, you know, a, a, you're not just a person of colour. You're not just a person with a disability. All those things come together and unfortunately um, gender inequality is usually um, felt more by those that have more of those um, intersecting um, identities that come from like a marginalised um, area. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's great to hear that, you know, you're understanding that concept and you're applying it in the work that you're doing. Your concept sounded, how you said it was amazing. <laughs> I'm like, I might use that one next time, but it's key. It's key how we make progress and we acknowledge the individual regardless of where they come from and measure it on those terms. The same reason when we hire people, measure people on success in a workplace, we need to do it as the whole person, not just you're failing in these skills or you're succeeding in these skills because nothing is black or white in life. Mm. It's also blurry at best of times because life will challenge us, it will reward us, it will do all the things and sometimes we won't be able to control some of those things either. Yeah. More often than not, we won't be able to. Yeah. So how can we just mark pe people based on you fit this box, you need to stay in that box, it's unfair. you know. And that's one of the biggest things we fundamentally believe at. We just totally did a new organisational structure that is only three tiers now based on the fact that we don't want people in this industry to be acknowledged as you're just a creative and you're yeah. just an accounts person. Yeah. We've totally restructured the business to fit to the individual and the individual and the role that they play in their life when they come into Bullfrog. And that's been a huge undertaking for this business. Mm. But one that has been led by this team of acknowledging, well, don't just shoebox me, which this industry notoriously does in so many factors. I am this person and I add more value than what is just on that piece of paper or my job description. Mm. 
Yeah. And that is one thing we really want to acknowledge, hence organi organisationally restructuring to do so. And it, it's funny, it comes back to, you know, in the research we've talked about sort of the different strategies that we can use to get closer towards progressive portrayals sort of mm. industry-wide. And one of the concepts we've talked about a few times is progression through realism and reflecting the intersectionality of individuals. Consumers are savvy now and they know when they're being flattened, when their identities are being flattened to mm. just one dimension. Like we, you can tell when someone's speaking to you as if you're just one box rather than acknowledging all the different facets of who you are and where you fit. And uh, I think it's that realism that people are looking for now. Absolutely. And that's why that 3P framework is a great um, yeah. example to use because presence is sort of around that kind of ticking the box. Um, it's a good start, but it's not enough. Um, and when we think about are we, you know, incorporating that kind of presence and person, uh, that personality and perspective of the person, uh, merely just including them, that's when we're really starting to do good stuff in ads. Mm. Are there any examples in a more tangible sense where you have seen those business outcomes be really positive from your progressive portrayal in the work you've done? I think... In the work that we've done for our partners, there's a heap of cases. As you've heard today, we're so considered of how we work with our partners in general and all of our partners align to our values every step of the way and how we go through that process. But I think personally and professionally in context of how Bullfrog is built in the last three years exponentially and even our brand as a business, it would have to come back to last year's International Women's Day campaign that we put out around which at that year, the theme was around breaking the bias. And we came out with a campaign as a business built by our people around gendered language and we wanted to ungender language. <laughs> and time and time again through society and how we've all grown up, we have typical language that we use every day that is gendered. Mm. And so in context of us building our reputation as a really inclusive and diverse employer, it naturally came from the team within in context of this is something that doesn't get spoken about enough, but it takes, it's, it's habitual, it's, it's ingrained through society. But if we talk about those things and talk about gendered language, let alone ungendering language, we start to break the stereotypes of who fronts up or who looks, who's the stay-at-home parent or who's the cleaner or who's this or who's that doesn't like it does not matter but time and time again and I still trip myself up today it's important to acknowledge that mm -hmm. is I will make a gender association with some part of the world out of no intention of being harmful or anything it's just takes time to train and mm -hmm. for me I was so proud of that and it actually ended up you know catching on quite quite well across the day across the world in context of a conversation around gendered language and so in context of growing personally the business that I love so much and the people I love within it it was built from us but it equally raises us up in context of leading that charge and as much as I'm humbled to be here today to making sure we're changing those conversations so that would probably be the best example of what I've seen is attributed to personal and professional success for mm. Bullfrog. That was a wonderful campaign and you can really see where putting your values behind the work that you do all kind of aligns towards success across multiple areas. Mm. I've got a rogue question that's come up just out of curiosity while we have you here. You <laughs> it would be remiss of me not to ask this because yeah. one of the really difficult parts of creating change is that, I mean, it's amazing that this research has come out from Sheikwal that often the, there are so many positive business outcomes 
that can come from progressive betrayal. It's not an either or, it's not a choose which one, it's not make them meet in the middle, it's they are aligned. There are some situations though, where you have your business's values, your core values, your core priorities, and you do get pushback and maybe it doesn't make the most business sense or it doesn't tick all the other boxes that you need to tick in order to make a particular decision. Mm-hmm. And to come back to, you know, quite a, a pioneering decision to take Laura's surname and to the mm-hmm. blowback that you got from that, many people would see that kind of pushback as a sign, well, I shouldn't do it then. Like it's too far, you know, we're not there yet and that kind of reaction, but you chose to push through the discomfort and do it anyway. What advice do you have for other creatives or brands or agencies in the scenario where maybe the best business outcomes don't align with a progressive betrayal, but mm. it's still the right thing to do? How do you push through that barrier and still make a decision? How do you stay true to your values in those scenarios? I think you just finished it perfectly in context of every decision I make personally, which in my context as a founder, there should be definitely overlap in the values of the business that you run as much as you founded, as much as your personal values. Now, I wouldn't describe them exactly the same, but the Mm. themes and the connotations very much line up, which is all the actions that we present as a business because I fundamentally get behind them. But I think in all things in life, I've always thrived in having comfort within the discomfort. Mm. But it's only led by my values. And the choices I make, even within those really challenging scenarios or decisions that I have to make for the business, for myself, is led by my values. And everything we do at Bullfrog, if I'd say back to the strategy of where you're going and the vision of where any business is going, let alone any individual, even yourself, is what are the values that I want to take to the table? Because I fundamentally believe if you can do those foundational pieces and align with your team and the values is one thing that we built as a team. So everyone had input, not just me saying, This is what I believe in. Mm. Everyone had input to shape Bullfrog. Although we're only three years old, very early their foundations of setting our values as a team allows us to show up in one representative way. And I think for me, that is a huge thing. But for me personally, having (laughs) comfort in the discomfort is a big thing to the point that is quite overwhelming and still really uncomfortable for me to even talk amongst a room of incredible women, but Mm. equally on a topic that I can't be the expert at either. Mm. Mm. And I think that is also really tough as a male sitting here alongside a wonderful female as well to have that conversation because I only have one piece of the puzzle and that can be quite scary. Which perhaps is one of the challenges we face for male allyship and participation in Mm. this whole area is that you know, males are confused about where their role lies. And I know, Lauren, you've looked into this with some of the research. Yeah, in the Shekel survey I mentioned earlier, um, one of the key themes that came out of it was that there is an unclear role for men in driving change towards gender equality. And um, Dalton might be um, have comfort in the discomfort, but um, there are a lot of men who are feeling a lot of discomfort um, and unsure what their role is and and they don't want to speak on behalf of women and therefore they aren't saying anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but that same research also showed that men really want men really want men to step in and lean into the conversation. They really want them to help take the load off. They don't want gender equality to just be a woman's problem. Mm. It's a shared problem for all of us and we all play a role and that's where allyship really comes in. Mm. Um, You know, women want men to speak up. They want uh, men to call out everyday instances of sexism, bad behaviour, 
uh, when they see it occurring in the workplace. Uh, if there are sort of stereotypes that are coming out during that creative process, in particular female stereotypes, don't want men to be looking towards women um, with the sole responsibility to, to be the person to call that out. Um, it has to be a shared responsibility that we're all taking. And there are some great grassroots movements that are occurring across the ad industry to support men to you know, step up and do better and be really good allies. Um, Never Not Creative's Allies program uh, is doing a really great job. Andy Wright there is really um, like leading the charge um, in supporting men to be great allies be the change um, and also blokes coaching, um, you know, just to, to name a few of the, the movements that are happening in the industry. Um, I will say that there are some amazing um, volunteers in the ad industry who are doing gender inequality, do, doing work towards gender equality in a voluntary capacity. Um, and what we really want to see though, is this being embedded into work time. We want leaders you know, embedding this into their workplaces and not relying on the kind of well-meaning volunteers across the industry to be um, leading the way and changing things. It, this has to come from within the businesses that are, you know, working across this industry. I think something that both of you kind of brought up incidentally in, in this conversation as well is the idea that being a great male ally doesn't mean be a perfect male ally. It doesn't mean you have to get it right every single time. And I think part of the fear of, you know, men self-excluding from the conversation is because they don't know how to perfectly be part of the conversation. But I don't think that's what anyone is aiming for. And Dalton, you mentioned yourself that you're mm. like, I'm still working on this. I still trip up every day. Mm. Women participating in the conversation still trip up every day like we're not trying to all arrive at this static perfect destination of equality that's then like okay we're done like we've arrived at perfection that's not kind of how change actually unravels so I think everyone being a little bit less hard on themselves expecting to get there in one day allows people to have incremental change which is all still positive change but taking those steps and not being fearful of tripping up I think mm. is something that will be better for everyone. And I think training is a really great um, way that everyone can learn a little bit more, challenge their unconscious bias and kind mm. of continue on this path towards um, being better. Um, at my work at Women's Health Victoria, my team are delivering training every day around uh, gender equity and around prevention of violence against women. And unfortunately, one thing I'll say is that we have much higher percentage of women who attend our training. Mm. So uh, I think one, we want businesses to be offering this training, but we want uh, both men and women and everyone in the business to be um, encouraged to be attending these training, not just women and not just people who have already got an interest. It should be something that's mandatory across the whole organisation. I even found that this International Women's Day, there were an alarming amount more males in the rooms than even last year. And that level of participation, I think, was just so exciting to see that it's becoming normal. It's not like, hello, everyone in the room and one dude. It's like, hello, a much more equal representation of people. Mm. Um, and making those trainings mandatory for, for everyone, I think, is a really big step in creating that workplace culture, as we were talking about in the beginning. We have gained so much from both of you, so many valuable insights, tips, and, and things to reflect on, really. So thank you both so much for joining us. You've just been wonderful. Lauren, somehow we are at the tail end of this incredible podcast that just happened so quickly. So as we come, you know, conclude our conversations, what are your hopes and expectations for the future of advertising in light of everything that we've heard over the past five sessions? 
Uh, I'm feeling really hopeful. There is clearly so much passion amongst all of our guests. Um, so that is so super inspiring to hear. Uh, there's hard work ahead of us though, and mm. there's resistance ahead of us. We've heard that across some of the conversations. So um, it's about perseverance from here. It's about continued learning. It's about challenging our own unconscious bias. Uh, and it's about our leaders really stepping up and taking on that role um, of leading on change. Uh, towards uh, gender equality and more respectful workplaces and uh, advertising campaigns. I think one of the really cool things about coming into this as a sort of an outsider to the industry really, or I felt like coming into things more as just a consumer, seeing how at every level from all different walks of life, from brand, from agency, there is no person involved in the whole sort of process of, the, of ad creation who can't be involved in some way. Like I think sometimes people feel a bit disempowered if they're not in the ultimate decision-making position, but anyone can speak up at any time and be part of positive change. And I think that's really empowering. Absolutely. I, I loved it when uh, Alex from Coles spoke about the fact that she spoke up at the end point of a campaign. You know, it really demonstrates just what you've said, that um, there's so many points along the kind of creative process that you can speak up. But even at that point, you know, it might be hard, but you still can speak up. Mm. It probably makes better business sense to be speaking up <laughs> early or to have a process even better, still having a process in place that people are able to, you know, pick out these stereotypes and um, challenge kind of um, the kind of creative much earlier in the piece. But, you know, we heard some um, great reflections from Phoebe about, where that can happen along the creative process and also from Ollie around the kind of the production and the casting side of things. Mm. So many opportunities where people can speak out. And um, yeah, I think training is probably pretty important for those working across brands and across the ad, ad industry to understand how do they do that better and how they actually um, speak up in a meaningful way um, so that people are listening and that their um, decisions are kind of heard and acted upon. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also it's a lot of our conversations have kind of validated how overwhelming it can be when you first come into this space and think, oh my God, there's so many things I could do better. Like, where do I start? It's it's an overwhelming amount of information to process. And also if you're really passionate about it, you kind of want to get started straight away and it's like, where do I start? But I think what has been highlighted, particularly with organizations like the aunties and, and so many people who are doing wonderful things in this space, including you guys at Shequel, is that there's support there's support, there are resources, no one is alone. There are so many places you can turn to sort of ask, like, how could I do this better? Or who could I even at least turn to to ask this question? No one really is alone in, in deciding how they can contribute. Absolutely not. And I think one thing that really stuck with me, Sarah, is that there were so many people like Dalton just um, earlier in the episode and um, Ollie and Phoebe in, 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 what, in their episode um, also just spoke about how important it is to sort of align to your values. And if you're feeling something in your gut, something sitting uncomfortably with you, that that's a time to say something. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, as you've sort of said, there seems to be a lot of support. And so, you know, it is speaking out and really crossing your fingers and hoping um, and probably being reassured that someone else is going to have you back when you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm hoping and I, I, I believe people will have really learned a lot from this series. I definitely have myself. But beyond listening to the podcast, how else can people get involved with the amazing work you guys do at Sheikwil? I would so encourage anyone to check out the Sheikwil website. It's really great. We've got some amazing um, research, 
resources, uh, access to some um, great training packages um, to support uh, the ad, anyone working across the ad industry, but also for consumers as well. You know, um, we know that there are consumers who may be listening and, and thinking, you know, what the role is that they can play. And we've got a, a, a process on there if they want to make a complaint about an ad that they've seen that they feel the need to call out. So definitely can do that. Um, for creatives, we have a, a creative checklist that can guide you through the creative process. Where are those opportunities? Um, so you can almost like tick them off as you go to make sure that you are considering uh, gender equality and inclusivity and respect throughout the whole process. Well, Sheikul are doing such incredible work and it has been truly a privilege to be trusted to, to run this series for you guys and to have hosted the last five episodes with all of you listening. You have unfortunately just listened to the last episode in the Make It Sheikul podcast series. But as mentioned, for more information on the work of Sheikul and how you can get involved, please head to sheikul.com.au. That's S-H-E-Q-U-A-L.com.au and subscribe to their monthly newsletter. Thank you so much for having us all in your ears and we will hopefully speak to you soon. Women of my generation were trailblazers in helping to change the attitudes and roles of women in the workplace. We want to be valued for, our, uh, for those contributions. We're still young at heart, but we've become more accepting of our bodies uh, and our faces and our wrinkles. And I think if advertisers, um, if advertisers could take that into consideration and represent us as we look, but and as we feel, we would be much happier.